Might say I'm understudy, might say I'm over the top, but there's like no free water, but soda pop is overstock. They say amazing grace. Hey everyone, it's Tanya from Tanya's Take. Gina is not co-hosting today. I know, it's weird, but she'll be back. Today, my conversation is with Morocco Omari. He's a friend of mine and an actor, and he is currently starring in Wendy Williams' The Movie on Lifetime. That's what I said. Also, Morocco is featured in my video series, A Minute on Racism, and his video is so impactful, I thought I would share the audio from it. And if you want to see the full video, you can go to A Minute on Racism on Facebook. Few glitches um, audio-wise in this episode. You can hear everything, but sometimes you'll hear a little glitch. At one point, Morocco is emphasizing something and he's um, hitting his hand on the table and you might pick that up as well. Nothing terrible, uh, certainly doesn't ruin anything. And it's such a great conversation that I hope that doesn't scare you away. So here they are, Morocco Omari's A Minute on Racism and then our conversation. When I was a kid, I was throwing a football with my best friend in front of the apartment building. Police officer jumps the curb, gets out, pulls out his gun and says, freeze, I was nine. At 11, I was riding my dad's bike through Cicero, Illinois. These late teens, early 20s chased me in their car, tried to run me off the road. I flipped the bike in between two parked cars. I was 11. At 16, I was standing on Rush Street with my two friends and the police rolled up in a, a horse arrested us and led us through the streets for about two blocks and put us in a paddy wagon. Um, when I was in boot camp in the Marine Corps, um, one of the other recruits said, I didn't know black people could tan. When I came home from Desert Storm, I was pulled over by the cops and put on a car uh, for making a three-point turn when I was picking up my aunt. Um, I applied for a position at a hotel, at this boutique hotel. After the third interview, it was for a security position. They offered me the doorman position. I was 21. Um, what is your name? Morocco Omari. What do you do? I'm a man. I always like to um, start these conversations with how I met the person I interview because I, I tend not to like just do blind interviews. I like to speak with people that I know and have a history with. And mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to talk about uh, when we first met, which I wonder if you remember, but I remember well, because it was, uh, what? What did I do wrong? You didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. I know, but uh, it had to be inside of a theater. Yes, inside of a doing, theater. We were doing a reading? Yes. We were doing a reading, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know which reading it was. I don't remember what theater. Yep, yep. But yeah, I know I met you in the theater community in Chicago. Yeah, so I can fill in the blanks because it was Chicago Dramatist. It was a stage reading. Ah. It was, I think, I'm pretty sure, it was Alicia Duncan directing. Okay. Of course, the, the incredible Alicia Duncan. Amazing. And yeah. um, the thing I remember about it was, so this scene, I think it was like a 10-minute, one of the 10-minute plays, and this scene had a kiss in it. And I was so nervous because I'd never done a stage kiss and I was like sweating it. I was like, oh my God, we're going to have to do a stage kiss. Oh my God. And I'd never met you before. I was totally worried about it. And then Alicia just read the stage directions. So. <laughs> it wasn't even an issue. Um, but yeah, that's when we met and, you know, we would cross paths. And, you know, what's funny is my husband 
has continually, when he found out I was doing the interview or, um, he was like, did, did he go to Evanston high school? I feel like I've seen people that he knows and, you know, yeah. the six degrees of separation. So, right. um, you did go to Evanston. I did. I went to Evanston Township. Yeah. And we're still, um, we're still living in Evanston. Nice. Yeah. Great town. It was a great school, man. Great place to, you know, at least back then. I don't, I haven't been right. to Evanston in so long, but it was just, uh, you know, um, luckily my mom shipped me off to my father <laughs> during high school. Ah, okay. So I, was the, I grew up on the west side of Chicago. And okay. Then, you know, I was going to go to one of the high schools uh, on the west side or northwest side. And, you know, because I, I, I really, you know, I really wanted to go to Whitney Young, but I just didn't have, I just didn't have the grades for it at the time. Yeah. But she sent me to stay with my mom in Evanston. And I, I was like, ah, I don't want to go down. What, what, where? Ah, I want to stay yeah, with yeah. my father. And it was the best, one of the best moves. Wow. Know? It was just a, you know, seeing a different life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very, uh, you know, just, it, it was, it just, you know, it showed you a different side and it just, um, just fed me, you know, in a positive way. Did you go with, you know? were you James Meredith at the same time? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, okay. And he was an actor at that time. I wasn't an actor. I remember James Meredith. They used to, I think they were, is it uh, Yamo or some, some club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was too cool. I was just like, what are these fools doing, man? What are these <laughs> and I remember, I never told James, I'm glad you brought that up. Me and James never talked about that. I remember him, I think he came to one of our classes, the Yamo club, club, and they put on something and I was sitting back. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was like, you know, it's like one of those things. Like, oh, they're talented, but I'm too cool for that stuff right there. I'm not joining the Yamo Club. I so you know what's funny though is because uh, another th sort of thing that sort of um, tracks our connection is the fact that you did um, the video series that I produced, A Minute on Racism. Right, 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 right. So it was two, what I, I was looking back, and it, so it was 2016. Um, right mm. before the election. Mm. Um, and uh, you came and you did the Minute on Racism. And it's one of the most, I'm hearing a little pop and I, I'm hoping it's not affecting our audio, but um, oh, you can't hear it? Mm. Okay. Um, it's one of the most impactful videos of the entire series. Um, and one of the most remarkable things was how it ended. So after the, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Minute on Racism is a video series where you sort of describe your experiences with racism within a one minute time frame. At the end, whenever anybody would be finished, I would sort of off the cuff ask them a question, asked you, what do you do? And your response was, I am a man. And it was so powerful. It was like this mic drop moment. And uh, I've just, over the years, as people have viewed those videos, that one is a, always a, a big standout. So I know that you joined the Marines, fought in Desert Storm. And um, when, how did that opportunity present itself to you? And what went into making your decisions to do that? Oh, so much. Yeah. Um, and I went to, once I left Evanston Township, 
And mind you, let me let me explain something. You know, we had a big graduating class. I think I graduated third from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it was just congratulations. Like, That's a distinction. You, <laughs> you know what I'm like, I made it, but yeah. I, gradu I graduated out of uh, out of uh, out of summer school because. I failed my senior year. I failed my favorite, my favorite uh, uh, class, English. Really, I've always been good at English. Always been good at English. Mr. Crotty said, "You're not, you're not gonna pass, man. Oh, you're, not, yeah. you're gonna have to go to summer school, man." And I, I probably dropped a Denzel tip, maybe a, a Cuba Gooding Jr. tip, man. <laughs> you know, but but it was like. And it's one of those things being a 17, 18 year old kid and being, you know, what you perceive as tough and a man that I wasn't able to speak to my counselors or my family about what was going home, going on in the home life and what was going on with close members of my family. You know what I'm saying? So I was dealing with uh, someone who was very close to me who was a substance abuser you know, crack cocaine to be specific. And then my mom and my stepmother were kind of at, at odds. So it left me in a predicament with, you know, the, the dynamic of me staying in the house with my stepmother and my father. So the last few months of senior year, I was commuting from the west side of Chicago. Like wow. I was staying in a house that was my uncle who was like this heroin addict and like all these every characters were in and out of the house at the time so yeah since i was just kind of like i was kind of homeless i i, I like hopped the train wow because i didn't have money um, to get you know to pay pay the fare or you know you know i had to steal something out of the store to get food or you know um, and then I had to go to summer school. So same thing, I, you know, once I graduated out of summer school, you know, had to take my favorite class, English, <laughs> graduate out of summer school. I went and stayed with one of my good friends in Harvey, Illinois, you know, and his mother was, you know, never in the house. So it was me and him and we just did whatever, you know, yeah. trying to, feed ourselves yeah and I just said man I have to I have to get out of here I had you know an acceptance letter to Jackson State University in Grambling um and I had chose to go to Jackson State my good friends came with me and we started throwing parties on the weekend so we was making our little money it was some it was on some really like f the world or frontal lobe not being fully developed and uh, I majored in theater as a fluke. As really? a fluke. As a fluke. I was looking at, I was like, theater. I'm going to play football. I majored in theater. That's easy. I'm As a fluke. Yeah. But, and that's when you know that the ancestors and yeah. God. And, yep. That's good. So I ran into this, this lady, Dr. Stewart, and she took a liking to me, you know. And, um, my first semester sophomore year, she said, I want to see you after class. I was like, you know, my cool Chicago eye. 
cool. <laughs> you know, I go to her office and I sit there like, yeah, what's up, Dr. Stewart? Too cool for school, man. Too cool for school. Anybody yeah. who knows will tell you the same thing. <laughs> and she said, what are you going to do with your life? Mm. I'm like, well, she said, are you going to chase women, fight, throw parties, and drink mm. for the rest of your life? And then she said, you have potential, but you have no discipline. Mm. And I don't know why, but it resonated to me. I'm like, how does this woman know who told on me? Yeah. And why is she on me? Like, why does she even care? Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it shook me. And I said to her, and never thought about it, I said, I'm going to the Marine Corps. And she was like, I don't know. She probably half believed me. And she probably was like, okay. That conversation was around October, November. I was in boot camp by February. There's so I- much there. There's so much there. Was she a black woman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I assumed, right? Because yeah. for her to yeah. see you, your core, your spirit. Right. You know, um, so much of what you said, I think, is um, so many people are ready to write off certain kinds of kids, for lack of a better word. So if it's a kid who's, you know, failing and um, uh, not doing well in school, um, and for them to, you know, look at it on that surface value and not dig deeper and not find out, you know, what's really going on with this kid. Are they eating? Are they, you know, getting support at home? Um, and there's, I, I, there's a lot of kids like that, you know, and, and what is needed is that sensitivity, that, that, um, desire to raise the full child. Right. And not just like, are they getting A's or B's or just, you know, jumping through the hoops, but who are they? Are they being nurtured? Are they safe? And if they're not, of course, that's going to impact their work. So what can we do to help them? And also a culture where it doesn't have to be a secret when a kid is struggling, right? Like, because it feels like you just didn't feel like you could tell anybody because you were trying to protect your family. Yeah, because, you, you know, you're just like, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You don't want to tell anybody that, you know, such and such and this and that. You just feel like, all right, let me figure this out. Yeah. But it eats at you every day yeah. when the people closest to you are substance abusers or whatever, you know, and you can't reach them. My, you know, I, I was going to school in Jackson, Mississippi. In Jackson, Mississippi, you can go to a pawn shop with a driver's license or whatever and get a gun. So I had a freshman year of college, I had a 38 and a 22, and I had on a bull starter jacket. I had that in my pocket. I went home to Chicago and I'm on a train, loaded guns. Oh my God. At 18. Wow. You know what I mean? I was really like, I had, I was just, you know, this gave you this, this, you know, this, you know, uh, I'm fearless now. I'm a man. And it's not, you know, you're just like, and I was trying to, I was angry. I was, I was, you know, lost. You're, you don't see in front of here because I need today. I need money today. I need, 
it's very, it was just like immediate gratification that what I needed, you know what I mean? When what I really needed was my village and my family to love me, you know, to pay attention. <sighs> and going to the Marine Corps and making that decision after that conversation was one of the best decisions I could ever make because I go there and I'm thinking I'm tough. Mm. And we grown men who've been in wars or conflicts and they're tough, tougher. Yeah. You know, and it really grounded me. It gave me that discipline. And it, it you know, it instilled so much. And then I went to a war. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, ah. right. Yeah, the same year I went into boot camp. I went into boot camp in February. I, I hit Saudi Arabia in December because I was going in as a reservist. You go, you know, do all your training and then go one weekend a month. I was out a month. I was getting ready to enroll into like the winter program. Um, they called me up. I got out in October. They called me in November. I was in Saudi Arabia by December. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was that terrifying? Yeah. When you knew you were going to go? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. No matter how much training you've got, you can't be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm ready to go fight war. No. You know, anyone who tells you that, that's, that's false bravado. Yeah. I mean, I think that one thing that always has, you know, struck me in terms of the reserves, the Army, joining the Army, joining the Marines, especially for, um, uh, uh, young black kids, uh, BIPOC kids who are looking at it as an alternative, right? Like I'm going to, uh, do this to get money to go to college or, you know, I, I need, um, some structure, some, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they're going for those reasons. And, you know, it's sold to them for those reasons too, right? As a viable option. But I don't know how many people actually you know, do the math in their head that that might translate to really actually having to go and fight. Um, yeah. And the and, year I went, in, I mean, when I went in, my recruiters was like, "Dude, we haven't fought, in the, we haven't fought a war since Vietnam." Yep. You know, I mean, we had you know this over here and that over, but a right. war. And I can say this though, I mean, you know, being there and, you know, Marines are normally the first ones to land, the last ones to leave and we're on the front lines. And I lived outside for over a half a year, just outside. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. But it instills in you that there's nothing you can't do. Wow. You know, you know what I mean? So all of that training and all of that uh, fighting and structure and discipline, I put towards my craft. You know what mm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. like, you know, I've been, if I can go through a war, <laughs> then I can deal with this, this industry and this business and just navigating, you yeah. know, and for the 200 or 2,000 no's you get, all you need is that one yes. You know what I'm saying? You just never, like Marine, never say die. Just keep going. Just keep wow. pushing. Just walking forward. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I've been doing. So I, I, I appreciate the Marine Corps for that, for instilling that, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. You know, because can't know why. No one can take that from you. No one, you know, so. Can you speak at all or do you consider the, the elements of it that have hurt you, damaged you? Um, 
Well, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I have no desire to, you know, fire a real gun again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I have no desire. Um, and, you know, you, when I first got home, I dealt with a lot of PTSD. Right. You know? um, and I, I mean, I have, I might have a moment or two now. Yeah. I don't like for people to walk up on me and put their hand on me behind my and I'm like, yo, you know, I'm ready to like, you know, you know, on the edge. But yeah. when I first came home, I couldn't sleep in a bed because I was so used to sleeping in a cot mm-hmm. on my back. And I'd sleep like this because mm-hmm. we used to hold our rifle, our M16A2s, wow. you know, in a, on a cot or in the ground, on the ground or inside the ground. So for a few months, I just slept on a couch like that, you know. Wow. And I could hear and I could smell in my sleep. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's other things, but, you know, it's so much better now. I had yoga, um, acupuncture, and theater to, to get that aggression out. Right. You know, you yes. get on stage and just, ah, and scream and, you know, get angry. Whereas, right. you know, when I first got home, you know, you, I, was, I had a few fights. Um, you know, I was working security at the John Hancock Center. And, you know, you get in a few fisticuffs and, and, and I couldn't do that. And, you know, even, one time I had a fight. <laughs> I don't even care this story. One time I had a fight. I was we were on from the Goodman Theater. Uh-huh. And I went to go see my girlfriend at the time. I was going to see my girlfriend at the time because she was cooking me lunch. And I got in a fight on the street. On the Gold Coast of Chicago, like <laughs> off of Michigan and Hubbard, or no, Michigan and Huron. Holy cow. Like a full out. And the only reason I stopped, I saw all the whole, it was like rush hour. Everybody stopped and was looking at me, and I was like, oh man, I could go to jail. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Went and had my lunch and then went back to rehearsal, man. It was crazy. Like it was wild, you know? It sounds like you have always had sort of a connection to just an inner compass that in the moments where it really could go wrong, something reminds you um, to pull back, Mm -hmm. that there's more for you, that it doesn't need to end in jail or it doesn't need to end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I've always trusted that voice. Yeah. I've always trusted that voice. That voice has saved, saved my life. Yeah. That voice has kept me out of trouble. You know what I'm saying? You know, we call it intuition. Right. And I just say, man, I got a lot of, I got a lot of ancestors that are just Well, but that's what, that's what it would have to be, right? Because when you think about it, every, I mean, there are so many folks who succumb to it and don't have that moment of yeah of um you know something reminding them of who they are and who they have the potential to be you know and so that's a it's a true blessing you know it really is not a not everybody has it you know they don't it's pretty amazing they don't you know so how long did you um stay in chicago and act you were here for a while I was there for a while. I, I, I did my first play at Fleetwood Jordan in Evanston. Oh, yeah. 
directed by my man, Luther Goins. Luther Goins gave me my first job. <laughs> we did Spunk by Zora Neale Hurston. Oh, my goodness. I know, it's a fun play. And, so by uh, then, though, what, so about how old were you when you got back? I will never tell. Oh, yes, of course. What am I thinking? <laughs> I could do the math, but I won't. You could, um, could do the math. But yeah, 95, I did my first play. And then, you know, like every year I had like goals I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to get my equity card. Yeah. And that's when SAG and after you had to get your SAG card and your after card and all that stuff. And oh, right. Like, yeah. Oh, I want to work at Goodman. And I, and I did that. And then I went out to LA in 98. I stayed in LA for seven years, and then I came back in 2006 to Chicago to about 2010. You know, okay. did a few plays and you know some TV shows and stuff like that. And then I moved uh, to Jersey, right outside New York, back in 2010. So I've been here 10 years. Oh, so you're you in know, Jersey? Yeah, I live in I live outside New York City. It's been my best move. You know, of course, there's a lot of stuff shooting here, but then there's a lot of theater. And you have people like Katori Hall, who's a playwright, yeah. but also showrunner for P Valley. Right. Uh, Dominique Mariso, who's also a playwright, who's also, you know, yeah. writing beautiful and great. So you're meeting these young, brilliant playwrights, yeah. and you're workshopping their plays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to watch. I got to watch the stream of Pipeline. Which is great. Yeah, I have to say that over the years, it, you know, we're Facebook friends and I reach out to you and you always answer, which I so appreciate because um, it's a bit random. But <laughs> when I'm like, hey, you want to do this thing where you tell all the racist things that have happened to you? But um, you've always been game. Yeah. And I've just been thrilled to see um, how your career has progressed. And I feel like, you know, we all started out together. Um, I got the memo about LA late. Like I could never really wrap my brain around going to LA. Um, so everything I've done has sort of been based in Chicago and I've done the film and TV, but never sort of did that big leap. And I remember the, um, uh, at that sort of sweet spot that you're talking about when some folks go, went ahead and did the leap. And I was always just so happy when I would see them, um, and you being one of them and just working like sort of uh nonstop? is that right <laughs> seems like it looks it. that way doesn't it it looks that way to it me i'm just like that way where's the next job you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> everybody else it might look other brother you know but nah it's it's been you know i mean lately it's been great you know what i'm yeah. saying it's really nice i mean doing p valley the season on p valley and a season and a half or on empire you know it's been really good you know um, it's great right yeah. So, yeah. So the other thing that I've tracked, and just um, it's a beautiful thing to see, um, are your trips to Africa. Yeah. And what seems to me, anyway, a real traveler's spirit, um, it seems to me like the, the uh, you know, I've never had this reflected, but I imagine it would be interesting for someone to be like, from what I'm viewing from the social media posts or whatever, it seems like you work really hard on something. And then you spend your money on travel <laughs> and you go to beautiful places, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. primarily Africa. Yeah. 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 I, you know, <laughs> uh, my grandmother, who I adored, um, I remember when, you know, I asked her, I said, do you have any regrets? 
Mm. And she said, yeah, I worked too hard. Should have traveled more. And I was like, say no more. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, I just started. And of course, after uh, coming home from a war, I promised myself an international trip once a year. That's like, what I'm I just it looks like. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is my second lease on life because life is precious. It can, you can you can be gone in a yeah. in a minute, and um, so I just started traveling. You know, at first it was a little small. You know, Jamaica, Bahamas, Mexico, and you know, and then just started branching out more, and you know, going to Europe, and then I was just like, we were. Um, I was living in L.A. and this brother. Hill Harper, you might have heard of this guy, this actor. Mm -hmm. He's not really famous or known, but. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm definitely familiar, yeah. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm giving him a hard time. <laughs> so he used to have these, he used to hold these uh, like little gatherings on Tuesday at his home. And a lot of actors and writers and directors, producers, we used to hang there. And, you know, it was just cool, like artistic fellowship. Mm -hmm. And then one day, uh, one night as an exercise, you know, we all had paper and pencil and, you know, it was just like, so if you died tomorrow, what would you regret? Wow. It was one of the questions. This was in 2005. And the first thing that came to my head was like, not visiting Africa. And I kept that paper, you know, and then I opened it up, you know, I, I guess the end of 2005, early 2006. And I was like, yo, and I booked my trip. Wow. Booked my trip for uh, yeah, six weeks to uh, Mombasa, Kenya. Wow. And I had the most amazing time of my life. It was just amazing. And it erased all the negativity that they say about Africa. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, there's you know certain things. There's poverty, but there's poverty everywhere. Right. But I've never experienced that kind of humanity in mm -hmm. the 15 countries that I visited in on the continent that I've experienced in Africa. It's just been an amazing, amazing journey. And it's hard for me to go anywhere else. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, I, I, like, I've been to Europe and I'm just like, okay, this is cool. You know, we go to Italy and the food is great and the architecture and, you know, it's amazing. But it's just like, no one has ever invited me into their home and said, hey, I'd like to cook for you or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. So just this... I just keep going back and now I consider it home and I, I bought some land in, in Rwanda wow. and I plan to go house, uh, hopefully uh, this year or, you know, next you, year. You plan to build, you said? Yeah, to build a house on the land that I bought. Yeah, you know, it's um, what you said made me think of how, um, you know, there are, there, there's just these, you know, I'm Haitian um, and there's just these certain countries that have this identity of, um, just abject poverty, which can't be denied. But I love how you said it just like, you know, Los Angeles ain't looking too good and their homeless population. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but it's always held up as just like, you know, to um, quote the former garbage man Trump, um, these shitholes, you know? Um, and let me piggyback on LA one second. I gotta like I moved to LA and my boys was like, yo, let's go to this party. They picked me up. We go downtown LA. I'd never been downtown LA. You know, downtown Chicago, you're like, man, you know, it's always it's a 
it's popping. It's it's right, right, know, right. The high rent district. Downtown LA in the early 2000s, it was like <laughs> zombies. Really? That skid row. And I mean, I was on edge. I was like, I've never seen anything like this, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this, what is this? Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I need to get my back against the wall because I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's just, yeah, it just strikes me, you know. Um, yeah. somehow in our country, um, we aren't defined by the fact that we have, you know, um, a level of homelessness and poverty that's just unspeakable, you know, and somehow we're not defined by it, but black and brown countries are. Uh, but now you're bringing um, young men with you, right? Is that what it looks, that's what it looks like anyway. So can you tell yeah. me about that? One of my friends calls me, he calls me Morocco Garvey after Marcus Garvey. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yo, Morocco Garvey, I'm calling you that from now on. He's <laughs> just like, so yeah, I've been able to convince a few people to go, you know, each time I go now. Yeah. I've, t I've, I've, I've convinced a few people and, and they've, I had my cousin go this last trip to Rwanda. We were in, in Kigali, and I've been trying to get him to go for almost 10 years. And he was just like, he looked at me, he said, man, this has been life changing. Thank mm. you. I was like, thank you for coming. Thank yeah. you for coming. Because just, go ahead. once I get you there, you're going to have a blast. If you don't have a good time, then you're the problem. You know what I'm saying? And I always yes. guarantee them. I'm like, if you, if you don't enjoy yourself, I'll refund your money. You know what I'm saying? Right. You just got to right. get, get there. You're going to, you know, you got to get all those stereotypes out your head. And uh, yeah, so every year I've been, I've been fortunate enough to convince people, you know, to go. Yeah. And now, you know, you know, now the, the, the women are like, well, what about us? Ah. Like, I said, all right, I got to figure out, you know, but, but I got to mesh personalities. Right. Because, you know, I go and I'm just like, I'm, I'm home. I don't have to go to all the, the attractions and this right. and that anymore. But it's like, now I'm like, okay, all right, we got to go on a safari. Okay, we got to go here. We got to go to the, you know, pay our respects at a gen genocide museum. We got to yeah. go, you know what I mean? So make sure that they go to sites. So, you know, yeah. So yeah. in addition to that, I, I know that you, in Africa, when you're there, are you, you're teaching acting classes? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me more about that in terms of um, how that came about. And um, there seems to be a service aspect to it, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it feels like something you feel called to do in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel called to do it because, you know, that goes back to Dr. Stewart and her asking me to come to her office and giving back. And her helping me, and all the the help I've had, you know, um, you know, with with especially with directors and actors in Chicago, with the right. you know, people like Chuck Smith, Alicia Duncan, and uh, and others, man, Sherlyn Bruce, man, has just been very kind to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so, because of their kindness and. And and them being great counsel and 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 
helping me along the way. I go and I, the workshops are free. Um, I started in, in, Bots in Botswana and now it's, um, I've done it in Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, and Nigeria. Wow. You know, That's along cool. with it, I taught in Chicago and I, I taught in uh, Minnesota and LA and, you know, so it's always good to see your actors in movies and on TV, man. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's always good to see them. You're just like, man, that's it. They're, they're doing their thing, you know. The greatest yeah. thing a student ever told me was that I changed their name because um, I was teaching an improv class. And for whatever reason, I kept calling him Watson and everybody would be like, his name is not Watson. And then, uh, but I was like, well, you look like a Watson. I'm calling you Watson. And years later, I ran into him in an audition and he's like, I changed my name to Watson. I'm like, are wow. you freaking kidding me? Wow. Isn't that wild? Wow. You just like never know, you know? Yeah, yeah. So That's tell great. me a little bit about the Wendy Williams movie. I got to tell you, I can't wait to watch it tonight. <laughs> oh, man. You know, um, I got this call, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. I was just painting my stairs because I was like, I need to do something with this, yeah. this, this place. You know, might as well paint. I get a call from my managers. And when more than one manager is on the phone, you're just like, oh, what's business? Mm. And they're like, oh, no, this isn't, um, this isn't P-Valley because, you know, we're in negotiations with the second season of P-Valley. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, well, what's going on? They're like, <laughs> you know, there's this movie shooting in Vancouver. They want you there by Wednesday. This is Monday. I'm like, what Holy movie? Cow. I've been auditioning, talking about it. I didn't audition yeah. for it. And they said, no, no, this isn't straight offer. So, nice. so was it? like, it's Wendy Williams' biopic. I said, oh, I said, well, send me the script. And they were like, all right, they emailed me the script. And, and uh, I, I, I skimmed through the script. I didn't read it. I skimmed <laughs> through it. I was, Let me see what I'm doing. Uh, right. you know? right. <laughs> like, I was being a narcissistic uh, actor at the time. I was like, oh, okay, okay. I remember doing counting that. your lines. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything crazy in right. here. Right, right. Um, and like I say, this call was on Monday. I was on a flight by Thursday. Then I had to quarantine for two weeks. So that allowed me some time to study who her husband right. was or is. It's weird, you know, because um, I don't regularly watch Wendy Williams, but whatever I've seen of her, when she was in it, and apparently in denial, I never would have guessed she was in an abusive relationship. Or I don't know if it officially falls under abusive, but I, from what I'm getting, um, he was a very controlling guy and kind of was, um, it wasn't just because she kind of would always toss it off as he's my manager or we, we have this um, empire together, right? And then now you find out that wasn't the case at all. And it's just a sort of example of how deeply um, in denial someone can be when they're in the midst of it, you know? Um, or calculated. So that's interesting. Hmm? Or calculated, because I mean, when, when you hear her speak on it, she was just like, I knew he was cheating years ago. Yeah. But she was protecting her son. She wanted to get him to college. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it yeah. was like, I'm going to deal with these infidelities. I'm going to deal with this. Yeah. But I want to save this young, young man and get him through 
get him to school. Yeah. Once he's in college, then I can divorce just two. Right. So sort of as we, we come to our end, I just, I wonder, I mean, I'm definitely already getting the impression, but sort of what, um, what, it, what guides you sort of um, mm. in your life? Um, what practice do you have or what, um, how do you, you know, keep your true north? Well, the, feel, the fear of failure, mm. uh, not wanting to be poor again, you know, and, and being hungry or homeless, you know, again, you know, and being a good example to my two daughters and to my mm. family. Um, and just, you know, never giving up and never quitting. It's mm -hmm. just not. It's not in the vocabulary, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've always been a person who, who's been stubborn because I'm a Taurus, but just accepting the challenge. And it's just one of those things when, when people say, no, nah, you can't do that. If they tell me I can't do it, then I'm like, oh, really? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show that. you. So, and then you, you know, like I say, you're guided by the ancestors. It's, you know, I'm the first one to, in my immediate family, and the family that I, most of the family that I know, to go back to Africa. Mm. And then I'm the first one to buy land mm -hmm. since we were so kidnapped and enslaved. So the spirits and the ancestors are on my shoulders and guiding me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's bigger than me. It's, you know, it's generational. It's a generational curse to break, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a young brother from the west side of Chicago, man, you know, who had a big dream, uh, who has goals, and who just refused to, to be denied, mm. you know what mm. I mean? Yes. And, and that's, that's just me. I just, I don't. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like they say, don't let success go to your head and don't let failures go to your heart. Mm. You know, have a short memory and just be like, let me control all, delete the, the negativity and the shortcomings and just say, hey, man, let's get it. That's amazing. What are your daughter's names? Uh, the oldest is Zuri, which mm -hmm. means beautiful in Swahili. And the youngest is Kamaria, which means moonlight in Swahili. Oh, how old are they both? And my, my oldest will be 27. No! Yeah. And my oh. youngest just turned 11 in January. Wow. Yeah. Have they been with you yet to Africa? No, not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. But once this house is built, I plan to bring my mother, my father, and my daughters. Amazing. Say, so, here we are. Wow. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for, you know, continuing to say yes to me, which only gives me permission to bug you about something else <laughs> whenever the spirit moves. But um, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm happy for you. And, uh, you know, just yeah. keep getting it. I'm trying. I'm trying. They say amazing grace, how fucking sweet the sound Not the ring from the steeple, sound from the heart That's where freedom's found Maybe it'll be alright, maybe you're all